Well, it is uh, good to be home. Uh, I have been gone out of the pulpit for four weeks. Of course, I was here, one of them, hiding in the parking lot, but uh, been here, been out of the pulpit for four weeks now, and I know that kind of weirded some of y'all out a little bit, but uh, as a matter of fact, one day uh, we were going to visit a church in Northern Virginia, and uh, I told Colin, I said, you know, if anybody asks where we are, just tell them that I went to visit a church today, and then Karen says, do you realize what you just told him to tell people and how that might, you know, spread? So I was uh, just visiting to enjoy, just visiting to a worship. As a matter of fact, um, while we were gone, I uh, got to visit three churches. And we visited a, a, a small church. We visited a medium-sized church. We visited a very large church, a church that, that has over 10,000 in it. Uh, in its weekend services. And so got to see all of this. You know, on the one hand, it was kind of nice to just sit out there and absorb and be ministered to and take it in. You know, it was kind of good for me to be somebody in the congregation because I can assure you now after three weeks, we up here forget what it's like to sit out there. I sat right where you do and thought, this guy's going to go on forever. <laughs> this, this might not end. I leaned over to Karen and said, did you bring lunch? So uh, it was, not, you know, probably good for you that I was reminded of that. You might not feel that I was reminded of it today. But anyway, uh, you know, I tell you what, folks, it's also good for me. I'm sure you all do this some in, in your job and different things. You go and you see what others are doing and you think you see things that are better in different ways and you're kind of challenged by it. I mean, I'd go into churches with a notepad, taking notes. Karen told me, oh, put that notepad away. You look silly. But, uh, man, I was there to learn and, and enjoyed it. We were at one church in uh, Colorado. Uh, where my parents are, and, and we went to church with them. And I'd met their pastor before, and uh, had not said hello to him that morning. But during the service, he obviously saw me sitting out there and recognized me. And, and so we were in the, in the middle of the service. As a matter of fact, we were do, they were doing the Lord's Supper. And in the middle of that, he, he introduced me and called me up to pray, which was kind of funny because I was, I was on vacation. And folks, I looked like I was on vacation. And I'm thinking, great, I get to walk up there right now. But I went up there and, uh, and, and myself and, and one of their other staff members during the course of the Lord's Supper, we, we said a prayer. And so when I got done praying, I uh, went, back, went back to my seat, you know, and had to crawl over and get into the thing. And, and when I did that, my, my four kids, all four of them, we're standing there just wide-eyed. How did you know? Did you know? Did he call you last night? Did you know you were going to be asked to pray? And I said, no. And then came the stunner. Well, how did you know what to do? I'm thinking, really? Is this a question you have? I mean, I've reached a real low point in my ministry as a pastor, as a father. I mean, they're thinking... Surely he can't get up there and pray, you know. Now, you know, in, in fairness to my kids, they, they've watched me over the, over the years of my ministry. They kind of know my mentality about preparation. They've watched me prepare for sermons. And, and, and I guess somewhere in watching me prepare for sermons, they have come to the idea that absolutely nothing unprepared comes out of my mouth up here. I can't even pray without preparing for it. And so, uh, you know, it's a little bit discouraging. Now, it flipped right around and got encouraging. Because as I said, there was, you know, I prayed and this other pastor prayed. And Amy said it looked like a prayer off. And I won. <laughs> so, so I was encouraged. So, you know, I wasn't just doing nothing while I was gone. I was beating other pastors in prayer. So, uh, 
You know, folks, when I say it's good to be home, and don't we all say that? We go on a business trip, we go on vacation, we've been gone, we say, man, it's good to be home, and it's good to be back in my own bed, good to get back in a, in a schedule and things like that. But folks, honestly, for me, when I say it's good to be back home, about 90% of what I mean is it's good to be back in this house, and it's good to be back here. I, I enjoyed the churches I went to. The three churches I went to are great churches. They're doing good works. They're doing good things. I praise God for it. And as I was enjoying each of these churches and what they were doing, man, I tell you what, I praise God for our church because he's doing a great thing here also, isn't he? So, you know, I was thinking about that and I was reminded the very first sermon that I preached in this church came out of Ephesians chapter 3, Uh, Verse 20, it says, Now to him who is able to do above and beyond anything we could ask or think, according to the power, the power that works in you, to him be the glory in the church and in Christ Jesus to all generations forever and ever. Amen. What that verse very succinctly says is, folks, whatever you and I are dreaming about, attempting, serving, doing for the glory of God, we can't dream big enough. Well, we can't be big enough. And I'll tell you something, since the day I started in this church, I felt like that's all we've been doing. Everything we attempt to be, everything we attempt to do, man, we get there huffing and puffing and find out God's thinking bigger and God's going faster. And he is moving bigger and bigger. He is moving faster and faster in our congregation. I think we forget sometimes just how quickly things have happened. I mean, you realize just seven, eight, nine years ago, we were running six, seven, eight hundred in worship. And even now, coming through the summer months, we're averaging about twenty one hundred. I mean, we're coming up on probably in less than ten years, tripling the size of our church. Now, you know, as God is moving faster and faster, I, you know, I don't know if he's doing that because he trusts us more and more. Uh, maybe he's doing that because of the, the seriousness of the time in which we live. Maybe it's all the above. But folks, God is moving in a big way in this church. Has been, is now, believe with all my heart, he continues to do some great things as we look at our future. And you know, folks, when you think about the vision of our church to impact our community and our world for Christ. I'll tell you why I believe God's blessing. It's because of you. We say, hey, we want to impact our world, but there is a a DNA in us. There is a character quality about you that says as we go out there to impact our world, that, man, we are going to do whatever it takes. I really believe that's a character quality of you. Whatever it takes to impact the world. Man, if we have to give and build, let's give and build. If we have to go knock on doors on Saturday morning and invite people, let's go knock on doors. If we need to serve in one of hundreds of capacities here on a Sunday morning, let's serve. If we need to go on a, on a youth beach retreat to build the gospel into young lives, or we need to go to Peru or Ukraine to build the gospel into people's lives, let's go. Whatever we need to do. If we need to go out into our community and feed the police or feed pancakes to people or pump gas or clean schools to show the kindness of God, let's go show it. You folks have so faithfully taken on the next task, every assignment to do whatever it takes 
to impact our community, our world for Christ. And you know what, folks? There is a very simple biblical principle in operation here. God says, if you're faithful with a little, I'm going to give you more. And with everything you've been given, you've been faithful and God is bringing more and more and more. More people, more opportunity, greater opportunity to touch our world. And as you've done that, your staff is diligent in, in praying, in working, in seeking to understand where God is going, how we stay right in step with Him, how we follow Him, how we position our church best so that we continue to reach people. Continue to minister and care for the people that are here. Continue to, to live in a way that this church is bringing glory to the Lord God. We've been working on really for a year now. Really, there are a number of these issues I want to talk about this morning kind of go back to our last yearly annual uh, staff retreat last September. Some of these things we have been working on, really, I'm not exaggerating, some of them almost daily since last September, working on these different issues as, as we're growing, uh, as things need to change, as we need to do certain things to try to, to prepare for that. And we're in a place now where we're ready to try to, to communicate some of these things about what's going on. Folks, this is a message you didn't wake up to come here this morning. I'm, I'm just being honest. This is not why you said, hey, let, let's go to church this morning. But you know, and I don't do a message like this I don't even think I do it on a yearly basis. But, you know, we are a family, aren't we? We're not a gathering of strangers that just, you know, it's not the mall. We're a family. You know, I've got a large family. I have four kids. We're going in all directions. We're doing all things. And, and every now and then we need to stop and say, hey, we are family. We're all on the same page. We all know where we're going and what we're doing and who's doing what. That's kind of what this is right here. This is kind of a kitchen table moment where we all hopefully kind of understand, okay, here's where we are, here's what we're doing, why we're doing it, and uh, let's make sure we're all doing it together. So I want to cover a number of issues today. I hope it's helpful. I hope it's beneficial for you. One, I want to talk a little bit about building. You see on the front of your, your cover today, we've got a groundbreaking ceremony tonight uh, at 6 o'clock. Folks, it's going to be a fun service. It'll be a brief service uh, I know it's hard to believe that anything I'm connected to could be brief, but it's going to be about 30 or 40 minutes right out back here behind this building. Uh, we're just going to have a time of celebration and dedication of this new facility that uh, we are breaking ground on this week. The children's building, this is phase 2A, is going to add 18,000 square feet to our children and preschool area. And that is a, a critical priority place that we need to add uh, that we need to add some square footage. And uh, folks, if this goes well, and you know, with building, there's a variety of issues that go in the calendar there. But if all goes well, that building is going to be up and running by about March, April time frame. I mean, this is going to happen pretty quick. Now, we told you that we're not going to, uh, we're not doing a capital campaign with this. And that's not because we're sitting on a big pile of money, but uh, we do have the ability to get started in it. It's, it's about a 4.4 million dollar project, phase 2A is, and uh, we're close to a million dollars is what we have on that through, through other building things we've done, through your giving, uh, through saving and preparing. We're, we're ready to move. We got that so we can begin the financing on that. So we're not going to do a capital campaign for, for phase 2A. We are anticipating that when we gather around the kitchen table and we realize we're talking about the family house, that we're hoping that everybody feels a sense of burden. 
hey, I'm a part of this. How do I invest in eternity? How do I invest in the next generation of this church? How am I a part of what our our church family is doing? And I hope you, above and beyond your regular giving to the budget, you could give a little bit to the building weekly or monthly. It makes a huge difference. Every dollar given, and this is a cliche, every dollar we give is a dollar we don't have to borrow. But it's more than that. Every dollar we give is more that we can do when we're in this process of building. Now, while we're not doing a capital campaign... We have set aside one Sunday for a special offering. We are asking you to be considering, to be praying, what's the very most you could give in a one-time gift. Now, if you're like me, I'm, I'm giving weekly right now to the building, but I'm still setting aside and preparing for this one gift. It's going to be October 10th, 2010. You can write that down, 10, 10, 10. Looks like fertilizer, but uh, actually that's going to be a special day. We're going to have a, a special celebration and worship that morning with our children. And uh, we're going to bring that one offering. And folks, I'll tell you what we need. We need about $450,000 in that one offering uh, so that we can most readily, most easily move forward uh, in making this, this children's wing, this phase 2A happen. Now, as that happens in October and we finish up the year, obviously the building will be up and going We'll have a good sense of our finances and, and where we are and what we have. As we turn the corner on the new year, we'll begin starting to work on when and how can we do phase 2B. Phase 2B, you might remember, is right outside this wall here, right on the other side of the road. We're going to put a double gym. There's also going to be a brand new youth center. The present youth center is going to be renovated into all adult space. So that entire wing will be adults. Even that, would you believe it, is not enough. We're also going to be putting three adult rooms right outside this wall right here. And a hallway. We're going to have a hallway so that you can walk from this side of the building to that side of the building without going through the sanctuary or outside. So we'll have that. We'll have rooms. Second floor will be administration. The total addition of phase two, phase 2A and 2B, is 80,000 square feet. Now, to put that in perspective, because uh, most of us don't think in terms of that square footage, what we have right now, 80,000 square feet. Phase two, a, phase 2 will double the size of what we have right now. now that's pretty overwhelming, isn't it? And, and, you know, I hope most of us understand why that might be, but some might be thinking, well, how much building are we going to do? How much building needs to be done? Three words. People, people, people. We're going to build everything we can to reach the most, to minister and care for the most. And really, folks, my highest priority in it, to launch the most back out into the community and the world each and every week. We're going to do the very best we can with our buildings, with our property, uh, to reach the very most we can in this world. And so we'll keep taking that on. If that were to go fast, and right now it's way too early to tell what the speed of this is going to go. If it were to go fast, we probably would be in a capital campaign for the rest of phase two, probably a year from now, next fall. And uh, we could see groundbreaking on the rest of this as early. It would not be any earlier than this, but as early as the spring of 2012. Uh, that's pretty quick. That, that will be here very quickly. Now, folks, as you hear these square footages and these numbers, I, I don't know about y'all, it's mind-boggling to me. It, it really it seems almost impossible. As a matter of fact, for those of you that, that have a little history with Colonial Heights Baptist, you might remember back in, I think it was about 2004, we were a church with, a, I think, about a $1.8 million budget, and we were looking at building a $20 million facility. 
And that's impossible. You, you cannot do that. Other than the fact we're sitting in that facility today. You know, folks, God is doing the impossible here. Why? To reach people. So we can impact our community and our world. Now, having just said everything I said about buildings, let me just throw the curveball now. We'll never build big enough for what God wants to do in this place. We will never build a facility big enough. As a matter of fact, I hope in a phase, I don't know, 3, 4, 18, I don't know what phase it'll be. I hope we build a sanctuary that holds about 3,000 people. But even then, that won't be enough. When I say enough, I don't think we will ever be a church in one worship service and one Bible fellowship hour. It will always take multiple services, multiple hours to accomplish uh, reaching and continuing to, to, to grow. And we are definitely at that place right now uh, where we need to add a third service. Now, there's about three places you can add a third service. And folks, this has been incredibly complex, more than I can explain up here today. It's, it's not just addition at an hour. Uh, it, it becomes a, a, really a nightmare of figuring out, okay, we tell you as a family to come into these three hours, only be here for two. We take care of children and preschool and youth, and we help traffic. Uh, I mean, it, it's going everywhere, and it really creates exponential issues when you add this third hour. So we looked at where are we best going to put this third hour, and the third hour has to help us with parking. It has to help us with traffic. It has to help us with children and preschool. Uh, it has to have the least amount of problems and issues because all, all, the, all the schedules we have have challenges. And the greatest thing it has to do, it has to help us reach new people. It has to help us to grow. And we looked at three different places we could put this third hour. One, we revisited Saturday night. We've been there before. We looked at about four or five different ways of doing three services on Sunday morning. And then the third place was a Sunday evening service. Now, not a Sunday evening, you come in the morning and then return Sunday night, but a Sunday evening service that repeats what was done that morning. In other words, it'll be at, uh, it would be what's going to be, as many of you have already heard, we've made that decision uh, on Sunday evening. We're going to have a five o'clock worship, uh, and it will look like this worship. I'll be preaching the same sermon. What, uh, what will be different is the stage will change, uh, and it's going to be a different style of worship. And I'll talk with you about that in just a second. So it's going to look a little different that way. But then Bible fellowship will be at 615. Be the same Bible fellowship structure. Same thing going on on Sunday morning. So this would be our, our third service. Now, how did we end up deciding on, on Sunday night? Well, when you keep three services together on Sunday morning. No matter how you arrange it. No matter how much time you put between them. It's going to drive everybody to the center. That's going to be the most convenient hours, the best hours, and everybody's going to be in the center. And even no matter how they break out over the other three hours, about 90 to 95% of your attendance is going to be here at the middle hour, which means you have not helped yourself at all with parking and traffic. You've not helped yourself at all with children and preschool. We're not creating any new way to grow by doing that. Now, what does give us that is either a Saturday night or a Sunday. When we move to a whole separate time like that, well, now when you pull up to on the lot at 5 o'clock, the lot's clean. It's a brand new parking lot. It is a brand new building to be used fresh again. So you create the most space. For instance, if we were to get 400 people, uh, and that's just a number. I don't necessarily have a goal. But if we were to get 400 people to go to Sunday night service to, at 5 o'clock, that's 200 cars that 
we don't have here on Sunday morning. That means we got room for 200 more people, 200 more cars to enter our traffic issues, right? Traffic to the glory of God is what I say, right? We now have room for 200 more cars to come in and congest us. If we have 400 people on Sunday night, that's 400 people that aren't in here. Folks, look how full it is right now. Now, let's stop and remember, this is August. We're in the dead of summer. This is when most churches are at their very lowest in attendance. Folks, this is not what it'll look like in September, October, and November. And you see how already full we are right now. That's, if 400 people are Sunday night, that's 400 more seats in here and in Bible fellowship rooms that we have. So that's why we chose to go to an extended hour away from Sunday morning. We went to Sunday night instead of going back to Saturday for a whole bunch of reasons. Let me give you two quick ones. One advantage of Sunday night is when you're out of town, you can always go to church, can't you? I mean, if you're a Sunday morning person or a Sunday night person, a lot of times when we go out of town on a Friday or a Saturday, we get back Sunday afternoon, there's still a church service in front of you. You can still make church that weekend. The other thing, and we learned this in being in Saturday night before, even if Saturday night fits your schedule and you really like, and we did have a lot of people who liked Saturday night, we are competing with everything under the sun during that hour. I mean, every school event, every ball game, college football, we are competing with everything. So even if you like that hour, it's hard to be consistent. Whereas Sunday afternoon, you start thinking about it. I mean, we all do stuff on Sunday afternoon, but it's slow. It's probably the slowest part of the week. There is the least amount of things scheduled there. I mean, what, what happens on Sunday afternoon other, other than the Redskins playing? You might as well come to church. They need your prayers. I need your prayers. So, uh, you know, that's some of the reasons that we chose Sunday night. Now, on Sunday night, we are going to do a, a new kind of worship style. And what I mean by that, it is going to be band-driven. There's two main advantages to this. One of the things, and we saw this when we did have a third service down at the other building, and it's true in any church, it's true in our church. When you go to that third service, you really dilute your choir and orchestra. And let's be honest, we've kind of gotten used to watching a big choir and orchestra, haven't we? And I got news for y'all. They've kind of gotten used to singing and playing in a big choir and orchestra. And when we went to that third service down at the old building, all of a sudden, and no matter how you do three services, if you're trying to do the exact same thing, one of those services is going to have a much smaller choir, a much smaller orchestra. And uh, I guess to put it simply, none of us are then having as much fun, are we? And we heard that a lot from the Saturday night people who were involved in choir and orchestra. Well, the way, the way we're going to be doing this, it's not going to require the choir and orchestra. So they stay at full capacity. They stay at full strength for our two Sunday morning services. And then we have a new, this new band. We're putting together a band. And so we'll have, Sunday afternoon will be very busy. Uh, we'll come in here. We'll transform the stage. The stage will look different for 5 o'clock worship. And it'll be more band-driven. Uh, just a few people versus having an entire choir and orchestra. It's a new style. We know what we can reach with the, with the present way that we do this. And, uh, and we're reaching a lot with it. I mean, like I said, not a whole lot of churches can say their worship service has tripled uh, in the last seven, eight, nine years. So what we're doing on Sunday morning is working really good. But who else might there be to reach? Maybe another style. I like to say it's putting another hook in the water using another kind of lure. And so that's what we're going to be doing 
uh, with Sunday evening. Now, kind of a schedule here of how this is going to happen. As a matter of fact, you may be saying, well, how would I know if I want to go to Sunday night? I don't know what that new, that new service is going to look like. We've already got that figured out. You just come back next Sunday. Next Sunday morning, August 15th, we're going to give you a preview of what a, of what a Sunday night service will look like. Uh, we're going to have the stage set up like it'll be. I'll be dressed like I will be dressing on Sunday night. Uh, you'll hear the message that I would be giving at all three services, and you'll see this new worship style. The good news in seeing that is, even if the schedule's not you and the style's not you, folks, you should always know everything your church has to offer. You should always know everything your church is doing. Who knows who you're going to meet out there in your family, among your co-workers and friends. You can say, hey, we've got a schedule for that. Or if that's what you're looking for, we, gotta, we do that kind of style. And so you'll be able to see it and experience it next week. You see inside your bulletin, with all these changes, uh, youth, preschool, children in the morning are all staying pretty much the same. But we are going to have all new adult Bible fellowship classes, and you'll see those there. And uh, beginning next Sunday, we want you to tell us which class you're going to be in. You say, well, I'm not 100% sure which class I'm going to be in. Then just tell us which class you're going to be in first. Tell us which one you might go and visit first. Help us set up the structure of knowing how many people are going where. That's especially true on Sunday night. We need to know how to prepare for youth and children. You know, we don't know if 200 people are coming, 400, 100, 500. So if you would let us know what Bible fellowship class you believe you'll be attending. So wait till next week. See what the service looks like. I mean, like I said, folks, I need some people who are going to come in here and say, hey, you know what? I think that schedule would work good for my family or that schedule would work good for me. Or, man, I really like that style of worship. I, I, I really think that works for me. I'm going to be somebody that goes to that five o'clock service. I hope everybody will consider that. Because when you come to that, you open up space for us to grow on Sunday morning. When you come to that, that means we actually have a church here at five so that when we reach new people, there's more than three of us here when they come, right? Yeah, so I hope, there's going to be, I hope next week is going to attract some people to this new service we're going to have at 5 o'clock. So that's pretty much it with the, the, the buildings and the schedule. And it, gosh, we need like a halftime or a Gatorade break, don't we? You know what I'll do? I'll start talking faster. I only have two more things, and they're not as much changes. It's just two quick, uh, quick announcements uh, about some things going on. There are two things we are not going to do, and here's the operative words, this fall. There are things that are very important to our church, very important to what we do. We are returning to them. We're not doing them in the fall of 2010. And I'm going to explain why. And those two things are the fall festival and the pageant. Both huge outreach events for us. And uh, we're going to take a step back from them. I'm going to explain to you. By the way, they're separate decisions. We didn't just say, hey, two things got to go this year. Which two do you all want? We voted on these two. Uh, it, 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 very separate processes produce these two decisions. I just happen to be announcing them at the same time. Uh, but these are huge outreach events for us, a big part of what we do. And I want to tell you, after the fact, after having made that decision, folks, I want to tell you something. I'm really genuinely looking at both of these things now as an opportunity. Because one of the things we do in the church, especially if something is good, we do it year after year after year after year, and a lot of times we never stop and evaluate. We never have a chance to, to retool, reconfigure, maybe even get re-energized. I mean, no, I'm just using the old phrase here, absence makes the heart grow fonder. Maybe not seeing those things in their place will remind us why we do them, how important they are, and kind of re-energize 
the vision for those things. Now, why are we not doing those two things? Let me start with the, the fall festival. It's pretty simple and straightforward. Halloween this year, and obviously this happens every seven years, is on Sunday. And we can in no way, shape, or form build and do what we do on the fall festival starting at 1 o'clock Sunday afternoon. We actually made this decision before we knew there was going to be a Sunday evening service. So it, now with that there, it makes it even more impossible. Oh, by the way, September 19th. I don't think I gave you that date. That's when, when the new service starts. But uh, with, with these services in place, and unless there's a confusion, the highest priority of this church is what we do Sunday in and Sunday out, no other event. Uh, that's our greatest opportunity. So we're not going to cancel services to do a fall festival. But uh, we cannot prepare for that. Now, you might be thinking, well, haven't we done that in years past? How have we done that before? You know, folks, this is, where, this is one of these things where things are going so fast, you kind of lose historical perspective. Do you realize that just three Halloweens ago, our fall festival had 500 people at it? This past year, it had almost 4,000. You see the difference of what it might have been like preparing for fall festival seven years ago and what it is now? And it's not a matter of we just need to work harder or if more of you could help. Our vendors have said, we're not coming in there at one o'clock and guaranteeing you that we'll be up and running by five. This past year, it took us 14 hours to set up. 14 straight. Somebody was working for 14 straight hours for us to be up and running. If you saw it, I mean, it looked like Disney World when you, when you drive up onto our, our lot. It's a, it's a big deal. So we, we can't do it. We, we cannot produce that on a Sunday. Now, I know some of you are thinking, well, you folks are working so hard now, you're just missing the obvious. Do it on another day. And you know what? That can be done. That is a very good suggestion. I know a number of churches that do fall festivals on another day in October and have been very successful with it. Since I've been here... We have done fall festival on a day separated from Hall Halloween once. And we got more negative feedback on that fall festival than anyone we've ever done. And, and what y'all said to us, mostly our church, we got some from the community is, we're not looking for a fall festival. I'm not looking for bouncy toys and candy. I'm looking for an alternative to Halloween. Folks, this year, I can't provide you an alternative to Halloween. I can't do it. Not, not when it's on a Sunday. And if we've heard from you that just doing a fall festival is really not the great need of your life, well, when I consider how much money that costs us, the effort that goes into making it happen, to put it at a place we've heard you're really not interested in seeing it, it was a pretty simple decision. So we're stepping back in 2010, 100% intend on having the fall festival on Halloween in 2011. Now, the pageant... A little bit different issue, obviously, is again, this is a huge part. This is a huge part of how the community looks at us, isn't it? You're that church that does the, the pageant. I mean, this is a big part of what we are. So, folks, I can assure you, this is a very serious process that brought about this decision. I want to tell you, just for kind of context, where, where something started with me. I have felt like for the last year or two that we're losing a little bit of energy. That's not an accusation about any leader, about anybody doing it. I just felt like we're losing some energy. And, and I just felt like there was getting to be a, a sameness to what we were doing. And, and there, that was my opinion, and I, and I kept it in myself. Uh, I even had a conversation once, and I want to be careful not to quote Scott, because Scott's not here to explain himself. I think Scott sent some of the same thing. So this, this goes back even prior to, to his leaving. They're just, you know, maybe, maybe it's run its course. Where are we on this? What's, what's happening? 
And here again, when you're constantly producing and you never get to step back and evaluate, you, you reach some of those frustrations. So I had that opinion kind of buried deep down inside me, didn't do anything with it. Well, this year we come into 2010, two things kind of led to this decision. One was uh, Dale arriving in June. Now, the operative word there is not Dale, it's June. Okay, June, he arrives five months from the beginning of the pageant. And so I tell Dale after his like three-minute welcome here party, um, you need to get on top of this church. You need to get on top of a very large music ministry. You need to figure out the staff. And the hardest of all, you've got to figure out your pastor. Uh, once you get all that done, once you get your life and family transitioned here, um, Dale, I need you to prepare and develop a new service for us, a new worship style that we've never done and we're not prepared to do. And I need that done in about eight weeks because that's when I'll be sharing it with the church. As a matter of fact, it hadn't been eight weeks, has it? It's been right at that. And so, go. Oh, oh yeah, and one more thing, Dale. You're about a month behind on the pageant. Well, it didn't take Dale very long, I think maybe 10 days, before he came to me and said, uh, you tell me what you want me to do, one or the other. I can't do both. I, I can't develop that kind of service and, and give the energy and attention that needs. And he said, Randy, I've done this before, and I want to warn you about something. The work's not done when we get to September 19th. This is a big transition, a big turnaround. There'll be a, a lot going into continuing to organize, prepare, tweak, develop, even beyond starting that service this fall. So is it going to be that or is it going to be the pageant? My first response to him was, you know what, I'm not worried about that. I kind of expected you to say that. You take care of the service. If you can prepare the choir and orchestra, if you can just prepare the music, we'll go to Julie Cox. She's done this before. She always worked in tandem with Scott and Cindy. And, of course, this past year, she did it by herself. She can. Well, she didn't do it by herself. All by yourself, Julie. You carried the whole thing on your back. Um, but she was kind of our lead, our point person on making everything happen. And so I said, let's go talk with her. So Dale went to talk with Julie. And this is why I told you kind of about what I was feeling. Julie said, you know, I'm wondering in light of everything that's going on, and, and I'm not quoting Julie. You can ask her afterwards if I said anything true. But I wasn't in the conversation, so I am repeating kind of what I heard from you, Julie. And, of course, we've talked since then. But uh, Julie said, you know, I'm wondering if maybe this is a time we need to step back and kind of evaluate. And Julie said, you know, I've really got some new ideas about how we might do this. No, don't get confused by new ideas. It's still about Jesus, isn't it? You know, the birth, resurrection, life, all that, that's all still included. It's still about Christmas. Uh, but, but really, a, a new way of, of how we present, how we build this, how we do it, how we present it to the community. Still a multi-night event, still a ticketed event, still with the intent to reach thousands of people. But for me to really work on these ideas, I can't get in the middle of trying to make this year happen too. What if we all put all of our energies, and yeah, it's a big deal, we're sacrificing a year. But what if we step back from sacrifice? What if we step back, sacrifice a year for the big picture and maybe a bigger future in how we do this pageant? And so, as I heard what she was saying, as I heard what Dale was saying, as I knew what I was kind of feeling, I felt like, you know what? That's what we need to do. And we didn't make the decision right then. We continued to pray. We continued to go to some other integral leaders who, who made these different things happen. And we made the decision to step back for one year. Please hear me say that. Don't, don't leave today and say they canceled the pageant forever. Uh, we absolutely intend on coming back to this in 2011. Uh, we're not done reaching out, folks. That's two big ways we do it. We've got a lot of plans for this fall. 
uh, between Friend Day and a couple of other planned events. Maybe the biggest event, one of the most exciting events is going to happen two Saturdays from now. Uh, August 21st, 8.30 a.m. sharp, we're going to gather here at the church and we're going to go out as an army of at least... Ronnie said the goal was 750. I think it should be 1,000, don't you? 1,000 of us would leave here on Saturday morning and go out into our community. And you're thinking, and do what? We have been working with principals and schools. We've gone to them and said... If, what could we do to help you get started for school? Clean up, landscaping, a variety of issues like this. We have 18 schools from Hopewell, Petersburg, Colonial Heights, Chesterfield, elementary, middle, high school. We have 18 schools waiting for us. Now, folks, remember, this is what we call a Crestos event. We're going out there to do nothing but show the kindness of God. And I started thinking about this. What if our focus this year, instead of getting thousands of people to come to us, what if thousands of us went to them just to show the kindness of God? Now, folks, don't sit there and say, boy, that's neat. That's great that they're doing that. Let me tell you who the there is. Okay? Get a mirror and look dead in it, and that's you. You're the there. Folks, a thousand people isn't going to happen because somebody else is doing it. Uh, we need a thousand people. And not only do we need a thousand people, I kind of need you to let me know. We know the size of the job at each of these 18 schools. Some of these schools we want to send a hundred people to. Some we want to send 32. We've got to know who's going to be here and how many are coming. You can show up if you find that morning available, but you'd really help us if you'd go out to the information desk today, next Sunday, sign up and say, I am, my family is, me and a friend, we're going to be there, we're going to be a part, what do we need to know? What an awesome opportunity. Folks, that's going to have an impact. That is going, I don't know in the Richmond area if anything that large has ever been done, church or otherwise. What an opportunity we have. Now, folks, you've heard a lot of information this morning. And again, I recognize this is not why you woke up and came to church. You've heard a lot. It's processing a lot. You know, the fun thing about communicating all this information is what I'm going to hear about Thursday. I'll be out at the store at a restaurant and somebody will come up to me because of you and say, I heard y'all were building an $85 million pool on top of the church and then you're going to do the pageant in it. And I'll say, yep, that's what I said. That's what we're doing. Hope you'll be there. Bring a swimsuit. Um, I I mean, folks, I've made a lot less announcements than this and laughed my head off at what the community hears about three days later. So this ought to be fun. This one ought to have some bite to it. But, uh, you know, regardless of everything you hear and process, this this is what I hope you hear. I hope you hear we have prayed hard and we have worked hard. And we have thought about every conceivable angle of doing all of these things, making all of these decisions. I hope you hear that in everything we're doing, our great desire is reaching people for Christ, ministering to and caring for the people we're reaching, giving glory to God, positioning, constantly keeping this church positioned for tomorrow and for the year ahead, and for the future we have. I hope you, I hope you hear that, what, whether you agree with a particular decision or not, I hope you hear the attitude, the prayer, the emphasis that was behind it all. And I want to tell you something. I need things from you guys. I need you to be praying. I need you to be praying for God's wisdom and guidance and help as, as these decisions now come to fruition and, then, and they begin to unfold. I need you praying about what role you play. 
Hey, God, what, what's my role in making that schedule work? What's my role in making that building happen? What's my role in getting those schools ready for the new year? What's my role, God, in what you're doing here? Folks, I need you to give. I need, I need you to give to that building. As you've done in the past, above and beyond that general budget, so faithfully, so generously, so sacrificially, I need you to give to make that happen. Folks, I need you to consider, is that third service for us? Can we move there? Can we be the ones that create that new church, that new service at the third hour and, and create room down here? I need you saying, God, what do I do in the midst of all this? Folks, as we started working on a lot of these things last September, uh, again, everything, just different challenges, issues, problems, and it seemed like our goal became to solve a problem. And folks, I wasn't put on this earth to have a, be a problem solver. I'm going to fix this. I'm going to fix that. And, and I wanted to redirect. I felt like it kind of had a negative tenor to it. I wanted to redirect our staff, redirect how we worked on it. Didn't change what we worked on. Didn't change the problems and issues that had to be dealt with. But I wanted there to be a different emphasis. Instead of figuring out how we're going to park, I said, let's make this our emphasis as we think about parking and space and buildings. Build a ministry. Build a schedule. Make decisions that give us our best opportunity to be running 3,000 in worship, 2,000 in Bible fellowship in two years. Every decision you're making should give us an opportunity to be and to do that. Now, folks, that's about 800, 900 people more than we have right now. That's a lot of people, isn't it? That's a lot of homes. And I might even say it a little bit differently. That's a lot of people waiting on us. Those people need you to give. They need you to pray. They need you to walk with God. They need you to go to these services. They need you to serve. They need you to minister. They need you to go. And sooner or later, they're going to need you to invite them. And I think the thing that makes me the proudest of being pastor of Colonial Heights Baptist Church is I know beyond a shadow of a doubt, you will. You are always so faithful. Let's pray. Father God, there's a, a lot here that Obviously, you know all about. You knew it before we knew we needed to start thinking about it. You knew it before we started working on it. You knew it before we started praying about it. God, you have a will and a direction in each of one of these things. And God, it has been our desire to get inside of that and nothing else. To get inside of where you are, where you're going, and what you're doing. Lord, I believe that's where we are. So we continue to pray for your protection, your guidance, your direction, your provision, God, your favor in bringing all these things about. Guide each one of us individually. Guide us as a family, God. Hold us together in unity under this one thing. Whatever it takes. Whatever it takes to impact our community and our world for Christ. God, we want to be so faithful that you keep bringing more and more. More and more people. More and more opportunity. 
God, may this be a place where you are greatly exalted and glorified. May this be a place where your kingdom is greatly advanced. We ask this in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen.